Hi, it's Mark Raven here. If you like my podcast, you might be interested in my books. Uh, my first book, Lean Hospitals. My second book, Healthcare Kaizen, co-authored with Joe Schwartz. Practicing Lean, an anthology of stories from a number of authors. And my most recent book, Measures of Success. To learn more and to buy through Amazon, you can uh, support this podcast by going to leanblog.org slash Amazon. Hi, this is Mark Rabin. I'm really honored that the 32nd Annual Shingo Conference has invited me to teach a half-day workshop on topics from my most recent book, Measures of Success, React Less, Lead Better, Improve More. The conference is April 16th and 17th in Orlando. My workshop will be Friday morning the 17th. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to leanblog.org slash Shingo 2020. Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben of the Lean Blog. It's August 27th, 2006, and this is episode number three of the Lean Blog Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Liker, Professor of Industrial and Operations Engineering at the University of Michigan. He's the director of the Japan Technology Management Program and co-director of the Lean Manufacturing Program at the University of Michigan that offers a 10-day Lean Manufacturing Certificate and a 5-day Lean Production Development Certificate. Dr. Liker has authored or co-authored over 65 articles and book chapters in five books, including The Toyota Way and its follow-up, The Toyota Way Phil Book, co-written with David Meyer. He's active as a keynote speaker, a speaker for executive retreats, and a lean consultant, both independently and through a company he co-founded, Optiprise Inc. Recent clients include GM, Ford, Interior, PPG Industries, and Johnson Controls, among others. So this will be the first of two podcasts with Dr. Liker. Today, we discuss the transition from lean manufacturing to lean enterprise, some of the challenges that companies face in becoming lean, and some of the methods that Toyota uses to further their Toyota production system. Dr. Liker, thank you for joining me today on the Lean Blog podcast. Uh, good to talk to you about my favorite subject. Uh, I, I think a lot of listeners are, are familiar with your your background and, and your writing, but I was wondering if you could tell us what originally drew you into studying Toyota. Yeah, originally I was studying the difference between the U.S. and Japan auto industries and not so much Toyota. And I was looking... Uh, well, this is in 1982, and I was studying uh, the way Japanese companies worked with suppliers in product development compared to the way American companies worked with suppliers. And even more back then, the uh, American companies were arm's length. They were clear silos, and they're the product development people within GM and Ford and Chrysler, and they did product development, and then they sent threw over the wall, sometimes specifications, sometimes drawings to suppliers mm-hmm. who then threw over the wall uh, process drawings to manufacture the part. And through that process of throwing things back and forth over the wall, they ended up with very inefficient uh, manufacturing processes and quality problems at launch. And in the case of uh, the Japanese automakers, they worked as partners between the buyers and suppliers. and uh, and really, truly, uh, jointly did the technical work of designing an excellent product and an excellent manufacturing process to make it. 
So I, the difference was at that time to me was like night and day. So it became clear that there was a, a level of effectiveness mm-hmm. in the Japanese auto companies that I was not seeing in the American car companies. And also over time, as I did more and more interviews, it started to become clear that Toyota was the leader in Japan, looked up to by the other auto companies. And in a lot of ways, they're modeling and they're learning from Toyota and there's something different and special about Toyota. So it's interesting. It sounds like you started looking at, um, you know, supplier interactions and, and product development. Um, it seemed like as Lean grew in the U.S., people thought of it as being strictly um, a factory issue. Do you have any thoughts on, on why that true. was? Or? Uh, well, I think that the uh, most obvious thing with I think a lot of the interest in Japan came, well, first of all, from the success of these companies, but then the the American companies had to figure out what what to do about it. You know, why is Toyota so successful and what can we learn from them? That led to a lot of study missions to Japan and tours. And what do you see when you go on a tour? You go and visit the factory, <laughs> yeah. and you see certain things. You see the factory is cleaner than American factories, better organized. You see the workers seem to be working hard and, and very engaged. You hear about the, the large number of suggestions employees give. So what you and the Kanban system of course in Toyota's case is very uh stunning when you see how you know, many parts move around the factory just based on these little cards that move around. So uh I think that what Americans saw was really on the surface and what they tried to copy was really on the surface. Now, over time, it's been probably at least a good 15, 20 years at least that um, people have really been working on lean widespread in the United States. I mean, do you find are, are people working more on the, the non-surface type issues? Uh, they, oh, yeah, there's definitely been movement to uh, people talk about the lean enterprise in companies, and I think it's pretty well understood that there's that you really need the whole enterprise working together. And I think the, uh, that any, uh, sophisticated modern company will say, we don't want to just have lean manufacturing, we want to have the lean enterprise. Unfortunately, uh, they, they will, unfortunately they will also typically say, we've done lean manufacturing. <laughs> we've done it in our plants, we did that for the last five years. We got great success, now it's time to move to the enterprise level. Unfortunately, if you go into their plants, you see something different. They, haven't done it in their plans. They just talked about it and they've done individual <laughs> projects that have been successful, but their plans are far from uh what you see in, in the Toyota production system. So yeah. they've superficially done it in their plans and now they're ready to superficially do it throughout the rest of their enterprise. <laughs> well and that that kind of leads me to the question I've been dying to ask you for a long time. There was um a, a quote I saw attributed to you, I think it was probably back in two thousand or so. Um where, where I believe you said, you know, in regards to auto suppliers, 50% of them are talking lean and 2% are actually doing it. Um, you have any sense on how those numbers uh, would actually line up today here in 2006? Well, th- today I would say that well over 90% uh, ha- are talking about it and have talked about it. I would say that almost all of them that have talked about it have <laughs> done something. They've yeah. done some individual projects. They've hired consultants. They've done projects at individual plants. They've done Kaizen workshops. They've kind of learned the words, and uh, they've seen some results. I would say the number that have deeply implemented the Toyota production system as a system 
in their plants is probably below 2%. Uh, so they, they're not just talking about it and they've done it, but they've done, what they've done are used individual tools in individual places. Occasionally there's a plant manager who, uh, really get, really has a good feel for this, drives it through the whole plant, does a great job. They leave the company, the plant reverts back to what it was. Uh, but if you were to try to find a model supplier that really has TPS broadly across their plants, it's, it's hard to find. So we, we've made progress as far as talking lean, but... It... Well, I think we've learned some of the tools. We've talked about it. We've seen results. Uh, we're certainly farther than we were in our understanding, but still well short of truly implementing the system. Yeah, and it, I, I can understand how it would take time to ingrain a lot of that in a culture. I mean, Toyota didn't develop TPS overnight. Um, imagine their, their culture developed um, somewhat gradually over time. So at some point, is it is it not fair to expect an American company? I mean, there there's a company kind of um, I used to work for, I'll, I'll leave them unnamed right now, that was very fond of saying, you know, a, a plant, quote unquote, became lean in 13 weeks, and they would brag about this internally and undoubtedly brag about it to Wall Street. I mean, it, it, it's not fair to expect somebody to turn around immediately. Is no. In fact, when Toyota starts a new plant, like they'll start a new, open a new plant in Canada. They're working on one in San Antonio, Texas now for their Tundra truck. And when they open a new plant, they'll have put about two years into starting to develop and prepare the leaders to understand TPS. They'll send to Japan. They'll work in Toyota plants in Japan. They'll be immersed in it. They'll hire people. They'll train them for months. They'll set them up in a completely lean environment with all the tools of lean. And if you ask a good leader like Don Jackson's uh, leading the San Antonio effort, if you ask Don Jackson how long will it take the San Antonio plant to really be to really understand lean and live it and follow the Toyota Way principles, he'll say about three to five years. Those are under ideal conditions where you've hired people from scratch and day one you've indoctrinated them into the Toyota Way. They've been to Japan. They have models. They're part of a network uh, of other company, other plants that, are, that have been around for a while in the U.S. They'll have a mother plant, which is a Princeton, Indiana plant that's been at this for years. And he would still say it'll take them between at least three to five years to really start to get it and understand it. So if under ideal conditions with everything in place and all the right leadership and all the right tools, it takes Toyota three to five years. I don't know how a company that has never done it before and never seen it before can do it in, in 14 weeks. Yeah, and, and I think with the 14 weeks, what what we saw was some very, um, you know, surfacey application of tools, and things may have looked different, and and may have run differently. And as far as okay, you know, they had a Kanban system in place instead of relying right. on an MRP. But I I think the one thing your Toyota Waybook does so well is it lays out the the cultural differences, the management practices. Right. Uh, you know, I don't see how that could change in in 14 weeks or. I guess one question for you would be, yeah, it seems like management a lot of times doesn't want to admit that there's a problem in their, you know, sort of non-Toyota approaches or, you know, if you look at the, the 14 principles of the Toyota way, um, it seems like people might be tempted to pick and choose and say, well, you know, points three, four, and five are some good ideas, but, you know, this number one, I, mm, no, we, we've got to stay focused on the short-term financial goals. We're not going to choose to do that one. Um. Well, I think that the uh, uh, 
picking and choosing a right is a is a problem. And I've heard companies say, we're going to develop our own system and we want to find best practices and we want the best of what we can find in the world from many different companies. And they piece together a system. And it's kind of, I have mixed feelings because on the one hand, they should be doing that. They should be creating their own system. They should have ownership. They should identify with it. Uh, on the other hand, what they often pick and choose are things that are designed to reinforce their current management system and their current philosophy, which is short-term focused, it's project focused, it's program focused, and therefore all the best practices they will put in place will all be a bunch of individual programs that really won't change things very much. Uh, the If you take all the principles of the away together, what you're trying to drive toward is to become a learning organization, and very few companies are learning organizations. Mostly they're uh, trying to, uh, they're looking at their company as a technical system where we're just shoving in inputs and tools and people and we want to get products out and we want to make money. But they don't understand that really to uh, be successful in the long term, they have to actually create a learning community where people are willing to share problems and solve problems and get better every day. Uh, that's really the goal of the, of the Toyota Way. So they can't just simply pick and choose and say, well, we'll pick Kanban, we'll pick this tool, we'll pick this SAP system because BMW uses that well and shove these in and expect to become a learning organization. It's not going to happen. If they're basically, they manage through fear and intimidation and replacing anybody who doesn't meet targets. And in that environment, they don't have a chance of uh, achieving the Toyota Way. The long-term part comes because Sometimes, because there's a lot of investments that you have to make to become a learning organization that take time and don't have an immediate payback. So very often the projects we will do with customers when we're working with uh, clients on a consulting basis, the projects are really intended to teach them. So when we set up a Kanban system, we want to teach them what a Kanban system is, the power of it, how it can be used for continuous improvement. We're not putting in the Kanban system to eliminate inventory. If their only goal is to count how many pieces of inventory are eliminated and the value of that inventory, they're going to miss the whole point of the exercise. Now, at the same time, we know how to, anybody who's, who's well-trained in the Toyota production system knows how to get dollar savings. They know how to get labor reductions. They know how to get an inventory reduction, and they can do that. And a smart leader who understands he's under pressure to deliver short-term financial results, and he wants to build a long-term learning organization can find a balance between doing projects that will get the money and then using those projects as ways to teach and develop the kind of culture that you want for the long term. So it's not it's not necessarily contradictory, but it's when the tools are only used for short-term financial results and there's no real interest in developing a sustainable culture that I think is a problem. So if you have a plant manager who's got the right long-term interest in, in building a lean organization and, and developing people, uh, what you're saying is that you know, they have to provide cover for themselves. They have to keep their job to be able to do that, which might mean um, caving in, not caving in, but focusing on the, the short-term improvements so that they can keep their boss yeah, happy. Yeah. And yeah. The only way that the boss can address that and this is probably one of the most, most difficult things I see for American companies. The only way that boss can address that is through the practice Genji Genbutsu we talked 
talk about it in a straight away as Genshi Ben Kenbutsu, which is going and seeing and understanding. So if the boss can go and see in the plant and understand that the plant manager is just pulling the wall over his eyes and you know, maybe getting the numbers, but at the expense of building the right kind of culture, then the boss can coach that plant manager. If all the boss does is look at the numbers and he goes to the plant, he doesn't really see what's going on and doesn't understand what he's saying, then he can't, he's not in a position to coach the plant manager and then the plant manager delivers the numbers, becomes the hero, even if he's doing all the wrong things. And, you know, we, we tend to be so metrics driven. There's not really a good clean metric to say, well, you know, how much of a learning organization are you at this point? I mean, there, there's some of these things that aren't easily measurable. No, I think you have to go and see and I think you get a feel for it by being on the floor and understanding what's really going on. And, again, that's been the biggest problem we face in working with uh, companies uh, is that, you know, simply, you know, sometimes we literally have to drag the steer management out to the plant if if we can. I mean, or we schedule it ten times and they never come, and, and then they make decisions without ever really seeing and understanding. But if we can get them to the floor, we could then walk them through and – point out what they should be looking for when they tour the plant. And uh, it's usually very enlightening for, for them to see the plant through through our eyes. And uh, that's what the any Toyota vice president can walk through one of the Toyota plants and immediately tell how they're doing in following the Toyota way. Now, how much of a hindrance is it? Uh, look at resistance to going on the shop floor. I mean, it seems like American companies um, tend to be driven more by finance people, quote-unquote, and you read a lot about how Toyota has manufacturing people and everybody else and how the manufacturing people really um, have the, the real leadership positions. Uh, is that something that hampers U.S. companies from moving forward with lean, that at some point you reach a point in the organization where there's just not um, a good fundamental manufacturing understanding? Well, the problem with the finance part of it is that that gets translated into metrics that go all the way down the shop floor. And if I'm in a department and I'm being judged by uh, pieces produced per worker, or in some plants they'll have a measure that says, how many dollars value am I producing in my department per worker? If that's how I'm being judged, and then you can come and talk to me about lean all you want and tell me all the good things I should do and tell me don't overproduce, produce just in time, produce what the next operation needs. If I know that in doing that, I'm going to get beat up for not making the measures, I'm probably going to make the measures, even if it means producing the wrong stuff uh, that will get me the numbers and produce the high the high dollar volume stuff, uh, overproduce an inventory that's somebody else's problem. So telling me to to do the right thing from a lean point of view and teaching me these great concepts in the classroom and then beating me up because I'm not making numbers, I'm going to make the numbers. I'll say, the hell with you. I'll do what you're measuring me on, and uh, if it's not, and I, even though I know it's not the right thing. So uh, that's a problem. Now, the reason that happens is because we have established measurement systems in accounting and finance that are based on the old paradigm of, of mass production, and uh, those haven't changed, and they're very difficult to change, and it's disruptive to change them. Uh, and the people who are in charge don't understand why they need to be changed. In the case of Toyota, one of the things I talked about in the Toyota way is a uh, guy 
Glenn Eminger, who was hired as an accountant for the Toyota Georgetown plant. And before they let him set up the accounting system, this guy was a 100% accountant. Before they let him set up the, the accounting system, they sent him to Japan and he worked in a factory and put together cars. And then they, he did Toyota projects to eliminate waste from the line. And he did that for uh, close to a year before they would let him set up the accounting system. By the time he set up the accounting system, he had a really good understanding of the Toyota production system. So he set up an accounting system that fit the Toyota production system. Then, after he did that, they made him the head of the Toyota production system office to lead TPS. Here's an accountant who's driving manufacturing improvement. So uh, now he's the uh, head of logistics for North America. So it's not so much whether you're an accountant or not or your training is in finances. It's whether you have a real good understanding of what's really going on on the floor, how your measures are impacting what's going on on the floor, and whether you're, you understand this, this paradigm of lean or you are steeped in the old paradigm of get every part you can out of every machine. Looking at... Looking at the, the 14 Toyota Way principles, um, you know, we talked about some struggles with focusing on, on the long term. Are there any of the other principles that, that you found companies tend to struggle with or principles that are more important than people would, would tend to recognize at, at first glance? Well, first of all, I would say all of them are, are tough. <laughs> none, of them, none of them come easy. Uh, but uh, a couple that stand out, one of them is uh, – the principle of stopping when you have a production problem, the Andon principle, and I say this in the Toyota way that I had interviewed Fujio Cho, who at the time was the president of Toyota, and he had been the president of Toyota in Georgetown, Kentucky, and uh, he taught the Americans about TPS in their first Toyota assembly plant in the U.S., and I asked him, uh, what was the hardest thing to teach the Americans? And he said the hardest thing with Andon was to teach them that it's okay to stop when there's a problem and pull the Andon cord. And I asked him, well, how did you teach them? And he said, I had to go to the – there's a president at the time. His title was president. He said, I had to go to the floor every single day and say, please pull the cord. You have a problem. Uh, so that, again, what reflects this uh, culture that we've developed that says problems are to be hidden and they're not to be admitted. If you admit a problem, it's you're the problem because uh, you must have caused it. If you're a good worker, if you're a good man, you ought to be able to solve the problem yourself. Whereas in the Toyota system, the whole system is based on people uh, surfacing problems so that teams can solve the problems. So and the first assumption is always, the problem is with the system, it's not the individual. It may be with the individual, but the first assumption is with, is with, with the system. Uh, the, uh, so that pro- stopping the line, losing production, is counter to every instinct we have about producing every part you can every minute of the day. And that leads to the other principle, which is uh, the principle of reflection and hindsight and continuous improvement. And instead, they believe that reflection is necessary for Kaizen. And reflection does come down to a personal issue, which is that each person uh, has to believe that they want to do the best they can. And whenever they do something, 
they now have an opportunity to learn from what they've done and improve. And that's true at the individual level for the group. It's true for the plant. It's true for a product development organization. Uh, and that's very, very cultural. That uh, In Japan, it's actually quite natural. In the U.S., it's quite unnatural. We're used to charging ahead and solving the next problem, finding the next fire. And the idea of stopping and saying, right, we just launched this plant. What have we learned from launching this plant so that the next time we launch a plant, things will go better? And what can we do to systematically ensure that the next launch is better than this launch? And I, you know, we don't do that well at all. And, uh, and it's, it's similar to, uh, stopping when there's a problem, which then takes you to reflecting, which then takes you to really truly trying to put in a countermeasure that will, will improve the system. And what you see in Toyota is the system is, uh, is, they don't believe that you can implement the perfect lean system. They believe the essence of lean is you implement a flawed system, you know it's flawed, and then over time, through continuous improvement, you make the system better and better and better. And the lean tools are designed to surface problems so that you can make the system better. We think that you should be implementing the perfect lean system, and if there's a problem, it's because somebody didn't do their job right. Well, I want to thank Dr. Liker for being here with us today on the Lean Blog Podcast. Again, this is just part one of our discussion. The second part of our discussion is going to be released as a podcast episode sometime in September. So stay tuned to the Lean Blog or subscribe to the podcast through iTunes to be automatically notified of future podcast episodes with Dr. Liker and with other leaders and innovators in the Lean world. In our next podcast, Dr. Liker and I will discuss applications of lean and Toyota production system methods in healthcare, as well as approaches to problem solving that can be used in any industry. For more detail, show notes, links to Dr. Liker and uh, different concepts we discussed, please check out uh, the posting about the podcast at www.leanpodcast.org. That will provide a link to all podcast episodes and uh, links and helpful information. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com. Hi, it's Mark Raven here. If you like my podcast, you might be interested in my books, uh, my first book, Lean Hospitals, my second book, Healthcare Kaizen, co-authored with Joe Schwartz, Practicing Lean, an anthology of stories from a number of authors, and my most recent book, Measures of Success. To learn more and to buy through Amazon, you can uh, support this podcast by going to leanblog.org slash Amazon. Hi, this is Mark Rabin. I'm really honored that the 32nd Annual Shingo Conference has invited me to teach a half-day workshop on topics from my most recent book, Measures of Success, React Less, Lead Better, Improve More. The conference is April 16th and 17th in Orlando. My workshop will be Friday morning the 17th. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to leanblog.org slash Shingo 2020.